to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. I'm Shah. I'm Ollie. And we are Creeping in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 113, I believe. Yes. American Psycho. You American said, Psycho. You said you had a lot to, you, you had a lot to say I'm about just not this. really sure where I lie on it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just... By the way, I do apologise if I sound like shit throughout this episode. I've got a sore throat, so I may be coughing and spluttering. And it is my edit, so I, it's my responsibility to edit them out, but... Let's be honest, can I be asked to edit every single cough I'm about to make out? Probably not. going to be doing a lot of noting down if you are doing Exactly. So I'm just going to try and hold it in. So um, American Psycho. Class- a classic. Yeah. I, I've never seen it. it. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen it. So I don't... I, th- I think it's got like... It's one of those like cult following films, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really different kind of horror. Like it, it is very loosely horror. I'd say it's not. I would call it more of a black a, comedy. It, yeah, it's like it's almost psychological. Like you're seeing the deterioration of a of a man go insane. Um, it it really relies heavily on like it's such a an edgy film in terms of how it it doesn't kind of bring light to it like in a positive way, but it's and I, and I hate using this phrase, but it's toxic masculinity. It's absolute finest. It's about this 27-year-old, I believe he is, uh, Patrick Bateman, a broker, I think he's a broker, works on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just so... Obs- he's got this obsession with being the best. The best like he, Yeah. He, 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 to the point where anything like just the working class or homeless or women, he views as objects, not as... He views as beneath him, not worth his time. Um, pointed by the way he, when whenever in the film you fe- he feels uh, like outdone, out, like someone's one up him, he'll take it out on a woman or someone below him, like a homeless man. He'll just go and kill him. Or uh, so it it was at the time. Um, Chris, what's his name? Christian Bale. Uh, I remember seeing an interview about him talking about this film and him saying it was one of the I, he got told not to take the role um it, it was especially for an upcoming actor who was trying to make a name for himself it would have been quite a risky role to make because the character is so offensive yeah um but not but it, it's offensive in a sense where it's it's genuine issues isn't it it's it's not like offensive through gore or offensive through foul language it's the way this this patrick bateman's portrayed throughout the film well, I, I, uh, I thought it was sort of like obviously toxic masculinity was a prominent feature within it, but I also thought it was an allegory for the amount that the higher class can get away with. Oh yeah, for sure. In comparison Definitely. to the working class, and I think, especially at the end, that's highlighted when he's sort of talking to his lawyer and he's like, "No, this was me. I did this," mm. and he's like, "Yeah, right, okay, cool." Whereas if it had been somebody else saying that, yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, but I, something I did, as soon as I finished the, um, as soon as I finished the film, I read the book. Did you? So I've read the book as well. Was the book The good? book is foul. Really? Like, just unbelievable. Like, I couldn't, he's, he's so watered down. This is like a Disney version of the book. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in this interview I saw, cause I'm, was it the director who was involved in it or something? And I'm pretty sure they had the funding cut for it at some point because of how offensive it was and how grotesque it was going to be. And then someone else greenlit the project. Or so there was something where basically it was nearly never made because uh, whoever was funding it pulled the plug on it. I mean, originally, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be Patrick Bateman. Yeah. But he wanted... I don't want to give away the budget and box office. He wanted such a pay rise that it had pushed it to... Over, over the way budget. over yeah. budget, and uh, he, he dropped it, and that's when Christian Bale got it. Right, but yeah. So let's get into it and yeah. go from there. So first thing I was really buzzing with was the Green Goblin was in it. I saw Willem Dafoe. I was yeah, like, oh Willem yeah, Dafoe, that's yeah. okay. 
I love Willem Dafoe. He's fab. Um, but yeah, I was really chuffed to see him in it. And it opens up at a fancy restaurant and it looks like the group of men are all discussing business. And he, they end up going to a nightclub and he tries to use these tokens at a bar. And she she says, you know, the, the tokens went out of date ages ago. We don't use them and charges him money instead. And you, the first sort of sign we get that something's not right with him is when she's pouring the drinks yeah. and she's got her back to him. And he's basically calling her a fucking bitch and saying that he's going to kill her. And... Yeah, he's, he's like, because they're in the, the nightclub setting, she can't hear everything he's saying. And he's just letting loose all these vile thoughts and threats and, like you said, like, imagery of what he wants to do. Because he don't really, like, in terms of money, he doesn't have a problem because he's got money. But it's a lower class. It's people yeah. who he thinks are beneath him. Like, he... He's got such this awe about him that he thinks that he's, he's so... He's got a God complex, yeah, hasn't he? A per, yeah, a perfect way to put it. He's got this God complex, complex that people beneath him like are just shit on the bottom of his shoe. Yeah, and you'd, you'd, we learn about the main character, really, in the first 10, 15 minutes. So it's Patrick Bateman, and it's narrate, him narrating his morning and how he looks after himself. Now, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's... That I think that's a little more accepted now. I think back when it was set, yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, like it was very much like it wasn't oh, it was common a pretty for men to take care of themselves. But now much. I think yeah. it's becoming more of a. It's it it, it really that that opening well not opening but that that scene really felt medical to me. Like his apartment is all white, not a speck of dust anywhere. Yeah. Um, that it's so organised and tidy, it's aesthetically it's pleasing. It's clinical, yeah. And then it goes to him like peeling off his face mask and stuff, and he it just. You get you get the the impression that this guy, and it's weird because you well not weird, but you don't we don't get a backstory to him. There's nowhere in the film yeah. where it tries to explain how we've gotten to this point. But it, it it's just it ties in with his obsessive behaviour, doesn't it? That he has this routine that's so in depth and well, he, what almost OCD like. You've watched American Horror Story, haven't you? I've watched seasons one and two. I think. Did you not watch the Carnival one? No. I swear you did. Well, there's a character in that called Dandy, and he's very much like Patrick Bateman. And I've obviously seen American Horror Story before I saw this. And when I was watching American Horror Story, I was like, oh, sh uh, sorry, American Psycho. I was like, holy shit. I was like, he's definitely based on that, this character. Yeah, that's his base, yeah, you could tell straight away. But he makes reference to the idea before we see him at work. Um, it, it's He says that he's a concept. Like, there is a Patrick Bateman in concept, yeah. but he's not actually Patrick Bateman. And he's completely soulless. There's nothing behind the eyes there. Like, even when he's talking to people, there's just nothing. It's completely Yeah, there's, there's no emotion, is there? He's, he's so self-obsessed. Like, he, any interaction you feel like, he, all he's doing the whole time is thinking about himself. And I laughed as well because then he goes into, as he's going into the office, got his head, his headphones on. And I didn't realise there's that thing on the TikTok meme, yeah. at the minute and it's like what I'm actually listening yeah. to. And I was like, oh shit, that's there as well. So it's it's been very relevant for me this week. But he tells his receptionist, um, don't wear that outfit again. And This is where the toxic makes, masculinity yeah. is into it. He feels like, he, feels like he's in control of everything. Which, back, back in them days, well, it probably the same now but we just don't see that that side of life if money talks like money gives you power and it yeah because I'm, I'm guessing that's his assistant his personal assistant yeah so secretary isn't that, it? yeah, Gene, Gene yeah so that's it. that's um he's her employer so he, he kind of feels like he has a right to call them shots but i feel like it's really strange because it reminded me very much of christian gray from Fifty Shades of Grey. So it's like this whole BDSM, I tell you what to do. And it's a... Oh, God, I should really take that out. Not saying that Fifty Shades of Grey is BDSM at all because it's a very, very poor example. It's more an abusive relationship than it is BDSM. But, like, the or every woman in this book, in the Fifty Shades of Grey, was, like, obsessed with this guy who would order and control these women's lives. And, you know, the, you look at the... You look at the phenomena that Fifty Shades of Grey became. So, like, every woman I know has read that book. Every, like, it, and so many women lust over this character of Christian Grey and fancy him. And actually what he is is abusive. Yeah. And I saw the parallels here between Jean and 
Patrick because she was like, you know, instead of telling him to fuck off and I wear what I want, she's very much, oh, she's like, she lusts after him and all these women want him. And actually that's completely true. You look at some of the tools that come out of Love Island and fucking influences and stuff like that. And you see how women, like a lot of women adore them and make excuses for them and worship the the grand standard. It's not changed. It's not wrong. It's that old um, stereotype that men are, are meant to look after women. Like, even later on in the film, he, like he, he, I can't remember which character it was, but he goes out for a drink or something with a woman and, and he orders for her straight away. Courtney. Yeah, and he, he doesn't give him. It's almost like you, we think for you. Like, I do the thinking, telling her what to wear, what to drink, yeah. what to do, what not to do. But are they na- they're enamoured by that. Like, they, en- they enjoy it. Yeah, but, but and, and a lot and of women you, do. You could argue that it's a lot of it's wealth orientated, like this successful businessman who, who they know has got a lot of money in a really nice apartment in New York. It's it's their ambition to to be loved by someone like that. But things like so obviously not. I'm presuming you've not read or seen Fifty Shades of Grey, no. but it like even now that sort of man is coveted. It's He's lusted after by women. And it's the aspect of telling them what to do and things like that. And many women seek that out. It's, and it's, it's, it's scary. The, the saying that, like... Well, not ob- obviously the saying is, like, girls love a dickhead. I know it's not every girl. But that that saying of the love a dickhead, this is that dickhead. Like, yeah. the want someone who doesn't treat them necessarily great or someone who... It's a challenge for people if you kind of get what I'm saying. Like it's yeah, not, it's not good for them. Like that Patrick Bateman's character, obviously, if it's the even, idea of can I change? Yeah, this even if, even if you take away the serial killer aspect and he's just a, a wealthy broker in New York, it's still like not getting the chance to think for yourself. Like someone else making your decisions for you, your life being, especially working as assistant secretary, her life is essentially to make his life easier, yeah. and that, that's her. To, to her, that's what her feeling or like, that's what her job is. My job in life is to make his life easier. And you're right that they obsess and the crave, the crave being treated like shit a lot of the times mm. is what it is. Yeah. But we also learn that he's got a fiance, um, Evelyn, and Reese Witherspoon's in this as well. And I was like, fucking hell, so many people it's that I read. Chloe Savini, she's, she's the secretary. I was like, oh my God, all these people that I know, um, I, um, I think are fantastic. And we learn that his father owns the business. We never meet his father. No. But we know his father owns it, the business this, this and he is, doesn't quit because he wants to fit in. I think this is what works well for this film though, is again, like we don't get this backstory or it, yeah. do, it doesn't give you reasonings. It, it, it is just a psychopath. That That's what we're essentially watching here. But he makes a point of saying that he doesn't quit because he wants to fit in. And I feel like that, it, and, and soon after that, very soon after that, we learn that he's sleeping with Evelyn's best friend, who I presume is Courtney. Yeah. And they're talking about, you know, people donating aid and stuff to Sri Lanka and things like that. And he mentions like, oh, you know, there's many, many things that we could, we need to be doing before we start donating to Sri Lanka. And he lists all these things like terrorism, social concerns and all these things, because that's what a normal person should say. It's... It, but he's so out of touch. It's, this is this is the point. It's it's the typical from from the working class perspective. It's people who haven't had to fight in life or work hard. They've been they've been given opportunity. They've never had struggling families or struggling yeah. parents. It's it's them thinking they they've got this because they have a lot of money. They must be smarter than everyone else. So they have this idea that like they're blowing smoke up their own asses, like talking about politics and stuff and. Things that, that, like, they don't know the... Re- that, from our perspective, looking at you, like, you, it's the way we look at a lot of the people in the government and stuff. Like, how can you have a... How can you be the voice of the working class? How can you say what's needed when you've never experienced what what other people have had to go through? It's it's really uh, bitter to watch people talk about world issues in a sense where just because you've made some money on Wall Street doesn't mean you're qualified to start talking politics. Yeah. And even... And the, 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 the film does such a good job of portraying New York... In, in like a toxic sense because even when I go to London I'm sure I don't, I don't know if you spoke about it on the podcast before but when I go to like big cities where it's it's busy and there's just people walking around in suits and with earpieces in talking business all the time like everyone's always so busy you do you, you kind of feel the different difference in pace in life out there compared to 
us who just grew up in a town somewhere where it's all just like everything's just so quick up there and it's always you feel insignificant if you, you don't feel important everyone else feels important and it that's that's like the mindset it's 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 like a it's like they're all fighting each other no matter what they're talking about no matter what they're doing every time there's a conversation that the next time someone speaks it's always trying to add on or one up what the other person's just said it's a constant battle yeah so he's at an atm next and he follows a woman and we don't ever really know what happens to this woman because we don't see her again but it cuts to a laundrette and there's blood all over the sheets and he says it's cranberry juice to a woman who's making an excuse so he's definitely not cranberry juice but it's the fact that he just gets away with it like that amount of blood on a sheet yeah and it's like and everybody's just willing to overlook and, and again, the way he's speaking to the workers, like swearing and yeah, treating them like shit. It, it, again, it just points to that he, the working class is scum to him. It's like rats in a sewer. That he's got no respect for them. He doesn't see him as people. And he, we see that he's talking to Courtney. So this is where she's she ends up completely out of it. But she's talking to Courtney whilst watching porn in the background, and it just shows how it, it, he is psychotic. Like he's got no. He doesn't care about sex because there's no violence linked to it. Yeah. And so and he's he, not... Even later on when you do see him in sex scenes, he's, he's focused on himself. Yeah. He's, like, he's not... He's like... He's, he's posing and flexing at himself in the mirrors. He's doing it. He's having sex with himself. Yeah. Like he's... Like you said, self-obsessed. He's in love with his, his self. And he ends up making a reservation at this really fancy place, but it's not as fancy as the one that he wants to go the to. The ones that all the brokers it begins with a, It begins with a D. Doff... That, Darian, oh no. Dofra or something like that. Dorcha or something like that. But I did write it down somewhere. I can't find it though. But I I don't know if she's out of it on her own accord or he's made her out of it because... She's on on drugs herself. She's on psychedelics, I think. Yeah, because she's just sort of sitting there like half out of it. He has to wake her up at the restaurant. He orders her food for her and he, uh, he didn't take away... He said he was. And then in, there's a woman called Cecilia mentioned. And then I got really confused because I was like, who the fuck is this guy with? Like, But he's got so many different identities yeah. that people know him as different people. And he then ends up going to a homeless man in an alley and he sits down next to it. Well, he sort of kneels down next to him and he's like, why don't you get a job? And he just fucking takes it out of this homeless yeah, guy yeah, because, and kills the dog. Because just just before that is the business card scene. Yeah. Isn't it? Like one of the most iconic scenes. Like in, I mean, it is in the horror. Oh category. shit! Yeah, sorry, I missed that bit. That's so important as well. Yeah, where they're all they're all trying to one up each other on these business cards. And the thing that I like is the when they're showing you the business cards and the way they're describing it, you can see what they're talking about. When like the off white color, the font, and you do actually look at it and think. God, that does look professional. But they're all exactly the same. They're not exactly the same. No, I mean, don't mean in terms of business cards. I mean, I know they're all slightly different in terms of font and things yeah. like that. But they all say the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all... It's, but this, it re- this, this I read a... up on this. I, I did read up on this one. It's the idea that it's a metaphor for the fact that because there's so many of them, it, it's meaningless. Yeah, yeah. They're, because they're, there's... Wall Street, Wall Street you, in New York back then, well, just New York in general, it, like everyone wanted to be a broker. Like it was it was the in thing. It was the moneymaker. So you're right. It was it, It's the idea of this... The, 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 so, such little uniqueness to any of them. Like they're, they're all just part of a... Of a movement, of a, a movement, machine, yeah. yeah. They were just a cog in a machine, but they're all, they're all trying to stand out from the rest. Which is why these things like your business card, it means so much to him. Where you're going out for dinner, like lunch, where you're taking your dates out to, it means so much. Like when you look at other people's problems, especially working class, in terms of putting roofs over their head and stuff like that, like they're, they're that's a normal people's working, their major like issues, work, work and stuff like that. Whereas theirs is whose business card has a cleaner font yeah. and where they're off out for lunch. It's just this idea of they're so detached from reality. They're so out of touch. I mean, what would have stood out is if one of them could spell acquisitions right because that's spelled incorrectly. Was every, it? Is, it, is it not an American spelling? Business card. Oh. No. I think it's deliberately done. I don't know why, but I think it's deliberately done. I don't know. But I, I didn't know, notice yeah. it when I was looking at the thing. I was like, oh, so sure. yeah, and that's when he goes to kill the homeless man because he's... Patrick's buzzing about this card that he's got and then he gets one-upped by like three other people and then Paul Allen 
show, the show Paul Allen's card, which is like the prestige yeah. of all of them. And you can tell like his, his acting is so good in this Christian Bale, like his, his facial expressions and the way he just, tones, just zones, zones, out, from, he zones yeah. out from the conversation. And he's just, he's so jealous of this business card and this Paul it, Allen. Yeah. But it's an important point in the film because this is when he meets Paul Allen and Paul Allen mistakes him for someone else. Um, and because we're even talking about Patrick Bateman, like slagging him off. Yeah, he 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 rides out and thinks right. I'll take this persona. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't. He, he's not who he thinks Marcus. I am. Yeah, they think he's Marcus. Yeah, so it, so he goes along with this. Uh, he, he never corrects him and tells him who he is. But yeah, so he then he kills the homeless guy and then kills the dog. Yeah, not great. I I did put like what the fuck Oliver like that was literally my response on the thing. I know, I, like, I know. Because I didn't think he was going to kill the dog, and so I got really upset. I was like. <laughs> There's no mercy in this film. There's not. So he ha- we learn he has this nightly bloodlust and he feels like it's going to push him over the edge so we feel like it's going to break out of his... It's very Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Like, he's got to appear the um, the wealthy broker, a charming, charismatic, attractive guy to society but at night his hide breaks out and so it's that sort of restraint on what it yeah, needs it, to be. Yeah, because it's almost... It, the the life of a broker must have been well just portrayed in this film it's so it it's like god it's hard to put into words but it's so formal and fake and and robotic like they People all speak, are smiling at you, they all, yeah they all dress the same they all have slicked back gel in the hair like they all they all act the same eat the same places it's all so routine and it's to fit in like he says so then he's got this animal in him that is like, it's almost it like, yeah, it needs to be released kind of thing. Yeah. So he ends up going out with um, Alan and they, they say they're just slagging it, this the, buddy. The, it's so funny because, it, the, yeah, they're the slagging Patrick off, but whenever the brokers are speaking to each other, it's always, it's always so funny because they're such... It works as a normal flowing conversation, but it's always a battle of trying to one up each other. Yeah. Always like, and it's it's in, if you've it's, been to Tenerife, yeah, it's yeah, they've been to Eleven Arif. It's in such a friendly, bitchy way, but it, you can tell that they're just trying to constantly, yeah, make themselves out to be the better person. But everybody knows somebody like that as well. Like every, and if you don't know somebody like that, you're the person. Yeah, and then he's then Paul Allen just starts slagging off Patrick to Patrick, and he's just like taking it all in. Yeah, like grin, still yeah, got this grin on his yeah. face. Listen, it's so funny. But he ends up taking him back to the apartment. It's <laughs> just. All across stuff. He gets him steaming, Donny keeps on giving him martinis. Yeah, and then puts on its hip to be square. One of, this is one of the most iconic scenes in horror. You must have seen this about. No. You're not seen him dancing around in that raincoat. No. Is that, is that a raincoat? It's like, it is <laughs> it Paul. Is <laughs> but even, do you know what I noticed from the scene? Even the axe was just so <coughs> clean and pristine. It's, it's, everything's just so like OCD-ish the way yeah. it is. Like It was all set up so... <laughs> yes, it is Paul. Yeah. But then he kills him, like really kills him, yeah, like hacks him. him to pieces. And he just walks out with his dead body in a body bag and he's like dragging it across the hotel floor. Nobody bats an eyelid and puts it into a car and ends up going to Paul's apartment. He packs for him and he leaves a fake voicemail saying that he was going away for a few days. Yeah, going to London. Yeah, because he wants to cover his tracks, I presume. But he doesn't need to cover his tracks because nobody cares. Well, it's it's, it's none of it was real in the end, was no. it? Well, well, that's the theory. That's It's one of the films where the ending's not really clear because there's loads of speculation, but the biggest one that people believe is true is that none, like Paul Allen did actually go to London and this was all a fantasy for yeah. Patrick. And that's the psychotic part of it was that he was... He thought he was genuinely living this through, yeah. So the detective comes in, good old Willem Dafoe, I love him. Um, He's he's hired by, as a private investigator to investigate the disappearance of Paul Allen and he's hired by Meredith, his wife or his girlfriend. Yeah, one or the other. One or the other. And he makes me laugh because like Patrick's sitting there and he's so fucking overly helpful with things that he can do. And... You know, he's questioning what they knew, know in this like humorous way, and he's trying to. This might be one of your fun facts as well that well, this scene was shot three times. Yeah, with him playing with, it yeah, three with, different with angles. One angle that he didn't know, one angle that one one angle that he genuinely was clueless. I think one angle that he was 
did know, but he was being friendly about it, and what the other one where he knew and he was being aggressive about it, and they used different shots from each angle and combined them into one, just to give that confusing. It's unsettling because yeah. you don't know whether you're, you're, he you're, knows yeah, yeah, you're as an odd as as someone who's watching the film and as a, as a viewer, you're trying to work out the the vibe of the the scene, the vibe of the room, like oh, does he know? Doesn't he? And it doesn't let you have that that it luxury. Yeah, because you, you're it, yeah, so. you're there thinking, fucking hell, does he know? And then you're like, oh no, he doesn't. He's been alright. And then he's back at you. You're like, like, oh wait, he does yeah, know. Yeah, you're like shit, and hell, like he does know. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really well done. He's superb. I love him. I, I I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. So he ends up picking up a sex worker on the streets. By the way, he fucking watches Texas Chainsaw Massacre while he's working out yeah. as well. And you know, might crack on. Yeah. To be fair. I've, the, watched the horror, side, I've watched a horror I've watched a horror film at the gym the, while I've been working out. Come from somewhere, it? So. so he picks up a sex worker on the streets and introduces himself as Paul Allen in order to try and frame Paul yeah, Allen. Yeah, he's trying to set up a scene where if if police if if investigators were to go around then this escort could say, Oh yeah, I know Paul Allen because then he even he gets like a he gets so he gets a the obviously they're all sex workers, but in terms of the film and the character act, one of them's a prostitute, and you get the feeling one of them's an escort. One of them just yeah, stands on the street. Yeah, one of them's like one of them's like uh, just a uh, someone who'd stand on the street corner waiting to get pulled over or picked up, and the other one was like specifically ordered, like yeah. he, he ordered because he says you, she's got to be blonde. And it, was was he was was one of the was the prostitute the one that he wanted to play out as his. Girlfriend, I cannot remember. Yeah, it says you're Christy. Yeah, is that what Paul Allen's girlfriend's actually called though? No, it's Meredith. Because you get you get the feeling we that, don't know why. You, you get the feeling he's trying to set up some tracks where it make it make him if police were to go investigating, then it, it gives it a really shady background. And it, it's kind of like, oh well, it looks like Paul Allen was someone who had a lot of someone who got himself in a lot of trouble, like had his, had his finger in a lot of pies, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, I think that's what he was trying to do, so it would send any investigators on a, on a wild goose chase. Yeah, I just, I don't know the, I don't know the reason as to why you'd want to call her Christy. I, I thought originally that he was trying to, of like, say if the prostitute was ever interviewed then he'd say yeah I, I, I've seen Paul Allen I went round and him and his partner was there and then the police would be like oh blah 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 and she'd be like no Christine and he'd be like oh that's not his partner bloody hell like he's he's got a lot of behind the scenes here it's going to be a bigger investigation than we do, you know, do you know what I mean just, try, yeah. just trying to make him seem like a shady character so I've got the answer to this I've just been I've just had a quick right. google and I've had a look so he wants to know if naming them will help him feel something when he dispatches them. He wants it to feel more personal, more intimate in a sense. It's the same rationale as farmers not naming the livestock. You tend to grow more attached to something you've named. Oh. There you go. But yeah, he picks one up and then there's another one that he orders specifically. He makes the um, street, work, street worker... Um, have a bath and clean herself, which yeah. is like really degrading. This, and... this, well, that's his character, isn't it? He, yeah, he's like, make sure you clean yourself down there, and he's being so. He's like, it, do you know it, how much that champagne yeah, costs? Yeah, there's, and there's stuff just like that. there's just no human element to his conversation with these sex workers. It is literally like they are a product. That like just make sure, like just demanding, wash yourself there, wash yourself there, telling her what to do and how to do it. It's just so controlling and demanding yeah and he ends up after they have this like really awkward conversation about the apartment and stuff like that um they end up having sex and you are right he's like constantly flexing in the mirror and he's, he's in love with himself yeah it's 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 it's, an it's like the girls scene. are the girls are just assets yeah they're just, they're, yeah they're, they're not they're, there's just no Oh, you feel like there's no emotion in anything he's doing. It's it's bizarre. But then he gets like the sleeping at either side of him. He gets out of bed, and he gets like out a tool bag that has loads of different yeah. like things in it. And she says, "Can we go?" And he's like, "No, I'm not done yet." But then he does let them both go. Yeah. Later on, though, they do. One of them looks really bloodied up. Yeah, the pro. I think it was the prostitute. No, it was the. It was the escort that was looked it? more bloodied up. But we do know that he did stuff to the prostitute yeah. as well because um, she says it later on. And it's 
it they, it cuts back to when they're all in the bar together and him and, it, they're just so misogynistic him and his friends because they're talking about like talented girls are usually fuck ugly because yeah. they've got they've got to have something to make up for the fact yeah, that they're it's ugly. That toxic alpha male attitude, isn't it? And but they are startled by what he says about Ed Gein because he meant like he's like oh yeah there's a quote from Ed Gein and it's like one of them a cat something about how pretty they are and then the other one wonders what about like what the head would look like on a yeah. stick and everybody's sort of just silent yeah. and looks at him and I think that startles him a little bit and forces yeah, him to keep yeah, quiet it goes to right shit. because he lets his his nighttime personality come out doesn't he like they're all because essentially they're all yes men they're all just agreeing with what each other say all the time and <coughs> So they're always fighting to chip into conversations and get like approval. So it, that you feel like you're right. He kind of let his guard down a little bit then and let too much out, and it, it didn't yeah. shock him and made him think shit. Like, but it seems like so, especially when they're comparing business cards and things like that earlier on. There was this one called one businessman called Lewis, and he just doesn't seem like the rest of them. He seems like he's trying to claw his way up rather yeah. than anything else. And this other. Lewis is in the bathroom and Patrick goes in to strangle yeah. him. But then he, Lewis thinks that it's a come on. Yeah, he gets his hand around his neck and you, because when you watch it, like, shit, what yeah, are you going to do? And then, yeah, he thinks it's coming on, on to him. Which is really funny and it startles him. And so Patrick's like, he, yeah, Patrick has to get out of there, doesn't he? He's yeah. And watch just happened. And so he, he manages to survive it. Detective comes back in to ask further questions and he says that he was on a date with a woman called yeah, Veronica. He starts to slip up here, doesn't he? And the detective says panic. otherwise because he was like, no, that's not where you were because he knows where yeah. he was. And it's it's getting a little bit edgy for him there and he sort of like backs off a bit. He ends up sleeping with Courtney and she doesn't seem too happy about marrying... Lewis, I want to yeah, say. He Lewis. says you're going to marry Lewis yeah, and Lewis. she's not so happy about it. And I don't know if she's in love with him. I think she, I think she's sort of enamoured by him as well. Yeah. And she seems quite unhappy. He ends up taking a model back from a nightclub and the next thing we see is him rubbing a lock of hair between his fingers yeah. in the office before he quickly puts it away. He asks his secretary, Jean, to dinner and wants her to pick the place. And once again, oh, I've put it... Don Chia or Don Sia. So it's like I can't read my own writing. And he can't get a place but makes out that he does on the phone and asks her for drinks at seven at his house. And this bit I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. I thought, you know what, this might be one of my favourite scenes in the entire film. Yeah, it's so movie. she goes to his house and he's like Sorbet and she's like, I'd love some Patrick. He opens the door, there's a fucking head in yeah. the freezer. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what the fuck? But the thing is, because I was writing notes, this is where like, <coughs> sorry, I enjoy looking like watching new films. Obviously, I think it's fantastic. I do like it, but when you write in notes, you miss things. Yeah, and I saw I was writing, and when and then like I sort of glanced up at the time as he was just shutting the door, and it took me three attempts to get back onto that scene because I was like, "Is there a head in the freezer? Yeah. Is there a head in the freezer?" And then I worked out that there was, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." But they talk about fulfilling lives and having fulfillment and being fulfilled. And he quotes Ted Bundy. He's got an obsession with serial killers, it seems. And he's walking around with his fucking nail gun. Yeah. <laughs> and but he she just can't just pull the trigger notice. on it. He can't do it. It's it. This is this is the first time I think his emotion affects what he's doing. He he, he views his assistant, his secretary, as a person. He, he's let, well, what you commented on earlier, he's let himself get too close. He's got, a, not necessarily attached as in love, but he knows her as a person. Like, yeah, she's has, not dehumanised, she's yeah, a person. Yeah, she, he doesn't see her as scum, therefore he, he can't pull the trigger, he, he can't just senselessly kill. But he ends up pointing the nail gun to her head, and like, he's squeezing down on the trigger, and then he gets a phone call, and it's Evelyn, and she, he says to Jean, he says, if you stay, I think something bad will happen. Yeah. And he gets her to leave. I think well, she, I'll hurt she, you. She thinks emotions. Yeah, she, like, oh. she thinks, yeah, he's, I don't want to be it. Like, I don't want to put him in a position be the where other I'm, woman yeah, I'm his mistress thing. or something. Whereas in actual terms, he's speaking, I want to kill you, so please leave. Yeah. So he ends up having lunch with a detective again. And he used Marcus's identity, but Marcus has an alibi. So he's throwing himself yeah. over here again. And... To think, 
it, it's this scene where it's like to think one of his friends would kill him for no reason would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just this awkward exchange where they're sort of looking at each other. Yeah, and it's really funny. funny. He ends up going back to Christy, the prostitute he picked up from the street. And just, he whistles at her like a dog. Yeah, it's, I hate that. Yeah, that, but the, And like he's holding out yeah, money to his her. little character traits. And then earlier when he was asking, uh, what's his secretary called? Jean. Jean. When he was asking Jean out, he would, did you see the crossword he was doing? Yeah, he was but doing I didn't... A, he was doing a crossword, but in every answer he was putting bone or meat. Every single Was answer, it? Yeah. I saw he put bone or what, yeah, but I didn't ev- see the rest of it. Every single answer was either bone or meat. Oh, shit. Mm. So, he... That, oh, that's, I wish I'd seen that now. That really yeah. irritates me when there's something really good. But he goes back to Christy, and she says to him she might need surgery... After what happened, After last, what happened time. last time. And he's like, oh, no, I'll pay for it. And like he offers her money and stuff like Again, that. Again, the, the upper class wealth just coming into it where you get what you want by money. And he takes a... Because the first time they went to his apartment, this time they go to Paul Allen's yeah. apartment. And she's like, oh, this apartment's nicer than the last one. He's like, no, it's not. Yeah, it loses it, doesn't he? It does. He, he makes me piss. He is really funny. He ends up putting... Pills in a bottle, and there's another woman. I think it's just another escort. But he knows her. Does he? He said that she went to a college. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, he knows her. Yeah, because he asked how. Does she ask how they met? Yeah, something like that. So he does know her, but I don't know how he knows her. Anyway. But anyway, he puts pills in the bottle. He crushes up pills. And it makes him a bit looser and, you know, more chilled. And it, this bit makes him piss. He starts talking about Whitney Houston's yeah, kids full on laughing at him because he's talking about the greatest love of all. Which is a, it's a silly thing to do to him because you, you get the film, as we've said, he's, he has these obsessions and one of them is definitely music. You can tell he's passionate about like, it, a lot of the times throughout the films, especially before he's about to perform uh, a killing or, or an attack, is speaking really critically of music, isn't he? Yeah. Really, really analysing albums and stuff. So his music means a lot to him. You get yeah. that impression. and then they're just laughing at him. Yeah, and then they're just laughing at him as he's trying to educate them. But then he ends up having sex with them again. But, I'd, and God knows what they d- he does to... This other woman One underneath the sheets. The sheets. Yeah. But like you can just see like blood spreading everywhere. I think everywhere. he just started biting her because he also mentions later on that he tried eating the brains. Yeah, so no, that's a may- point. Maybe he's and he bites Christy, yeah, doesn't he's, he? He's he tries... taste, yeah. But... Ted Bundy and Ned Gein. Well, Ted Bundy didn't eat his victims, but he bit one of his victims. That's yeah. how they identified him in the end, one of them. And then um, Ed Gein used... Uh, Ed, I think Ed Gein made furniture out of the skin and stuff like that and I think he tried to eat them Yeah. so it's following that sort of serial killer path but she Christy sort of like runs out and she's running around the apartment and there's dead girls everywhere all over this apartment and he manages to bite a leg in the bathroom and ends up chasing her with a chainsaw like what the fuck and it was really because I was just it, it was a chaotic moment in a film that up to now has been pretty calm tame. and yeah, steady. Yeah, even with the murder scenes, there's, there's not been much mayhem. There's not been much chaos. It's it's been organised. But she manages to make it out the apartment and she's running down the stairs. And he doesn't chase after her down the stairs. He gets to the stairs. You think she's getting away? That's what yeah. You think, you think he's given up because he's stood there bollock naked at the top, just watching her. But he's sort of like aiming the chainsaw and slowly moving it around and drops it just at the right yeah. time, and it just impales her and kills her. Yeah. And it. This is where you get the, uh, well, it starts to make sense now when at the end you find out that it was none of it actually happened. Yeah. Because it's like, at that point you are like, he really timed that chainsaw drop perfectly to kill her. It was nice. But then it makes sense towards the end that this is just his fantasy that we're watching. But I was really laughing at this scene as well that comes next. So he's colouring in this fucking photo of him decapitating the woman at dinner like a child. And Evelyn's talking about this wedding and he's like, oh no, I think we need to break up. And she's like, but why? And he's like, I think I need to engage in my homicidal behaviour. Yeah, <laughs> and she just don't give a like, shit. Yeah, just she's just carrying, and she's having none of it. But this is the thing with, like, again, going back to, like, when I go to London, like, you, you just get the feeling that, like, no, 
no one's actually engaged. No one's actually taking in what's going on. Like when when he's saying to her, "I want to break up with you," she's just going on and carrying on. Yeah. Because it's it's like everyone's just so like the the, the detached in from reality. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They're in their own bubble. Like they're not even taking in what's being said. And well, again, that adds to the psychotic behaviour of someone who you'd think, oh, they break out in psychosis. It's the bit where she's crying and it's like, I've assessed the situation, I'm yeah, going, and just fucked Yeah, off. it's just so formal, isn't it? Like, he's just got no emotional attachment to anything. And this bit. So, you know, yeah. killing a dog Your turn is for one thing. Well, he didn't kill her. Yeah, he didn't. Killing a dog is one thing. He goes to an ATM. He, well, he sees this stray kitten... And he picks it up, and it's like, hi, little guy. And it, like, it, I was like, as soon as he picked it up, I was like, do not kill that yeah. fucking cat. Do I not kill that you. cat. And he, the ATM reads, feed me the stray cat, or yeah. feed me a stray cat. So he starts trying to put the cat through the fucking ATM. And the old this woman. old woman stops him. She's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And he ends up shooting her. And then he just goes on his murder spree. Yeah, which I remember the first time watching, I didn't, I, well, at the time I did think this was all real and I was just like, what the fuck's going on? Like, he just, he's killing security guards, just killing just anyone, anybody he anyone sees. cleaners in, in apartment buildings. Yeah, he's going off. And he gets to his apartment and he rings his lawyer and there's like helicopters going around, you can hear everything and he's sort of like saying, he blows up two police cars just yeah. like shooting at him. And he says, like, look, I've done this, this, and this. You're going to have to get me out of this. Like, what's the what What do I need to look at? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? And he just confesses all this shit on the phone. And then the next morning, it just cuts to calm again. Yeah. And he... It's really odd. All is fine. He goes to Paul Allen's apartment, and everything's paid Yeah, over. nothing's there. It's it's being sold. It's being viewed. Um, and it, you, you can tell in Patrick's head, he genuinely is thinking, like, they've cleaned it all up. But the reality of none of it ever happened, none of it was there. Like there was nothing to clean up. But the but woman, it, the woman acts very weirdly, doesn't she, around him? She she does, she does. But I, I think that's where seeing that woman from his point of his point of um, paranoia sense, like he's. To, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so to him, he's thinking she's on to me. But I think in reality, this random man just walked into and a, a house here and he's just on. saying, "Yeah, leave." We like I think she's saying. Like we don't want any trouble here because she's saying. Because you imagine you're viewing a hat, you're 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 the real estate agent showing people around properties, and some random guy just walks in. Now you're not going to be immediately shocked because he doesn't look like a homeless yeah. guy or an attacker. He looks like a, a Wall Street yeah, businessman. Yeah. So it's just kind of like we don't want any trouble. Like we don't want any trouble. Like leave. Like that that kind of thing. It wasn't an outburst because she didn't feel threatened, but she was also being stern and saying just leave. But obviously, us knowing what Patrick thinks he's gone through. We're almost in that paranoid mindset of, does she know? Does she know? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's sort of like William Defoe's Yeah, exactly, yeah. But in reality, she was just telling this random man to leave leave the apartment. So, in this point as well, he ends up going to a payphone and he rings Jean from the office and he's like, I'm not going to make it in this afternoon. Like, I'm not well. He's crying, he's not well. And and she ends up searching through his diary and there's just names of women. Yeah. all through the diary and then she flicks a little bit further on and there's just graphic depictions of women being murdered yeah. and she, you know she can't believe it either he ends up having drinks with these brokers again his friends as you would say yeah. and they're just none the wiser and they're still spouting off irrelevant shit yeah because shit. nothing's happened yeah like, nothing's, nothing's changed nothing's in their world happened. and he sees Harold who I presume is his lawyer yeah and he, he sort of tells because he knows him as Davis. Yeah, because he's been portraying someone else, hasn't he, this yeah. whole time, and he's been saying, "No, I am Patrick Bateman." Yeah. So, but then another theory is: is Patrick Bateman not real? Like, yeah, he, is, is he it, the identity he, that's yeah, not right? Yeah, is 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 he is he someone else? But he he views himself as Patrick Bateman, this broker who's gone insane and killing people, but he doesn't actually exist. It's another one of them theories yeah. where where people. The, the films like this have a place because it is always good to. Sometimes it's good to not know the ending and to try and figure it out for yourself because then you know, you're not you've not been told how how it ends. You have to you you kind of pick the ending that you want it to happen in your mind. Like oh, so I could be like oh, the realist. The, you could say oh, well, I think it did all happen and because his dad was a wealthy businessman and it'd, it'd be and tired of the police. They covered it all up. Or you could say he went absolutely insane and none of it ever happened. Paul Allen actually did go to London, but he was 
because Patrick was on the verge of going insane, he, he did go insane. He started visualising him actually believing all this stuff was happening when none of it was. Because there's nothing in the film that would make you think it couldn't have not happened because of this. Like, when he went round to Paul Allen's apartment and was staging it, yeah, Paul Allen wasn't there because he was in London already. Do you know what I mean? It can't, or, or you could go the other route, which is what was what what, what was the first one? What? Uh, oh, that Patrick Bateman isn't real and this is a different broker who's just gone yeah. insane and is... is Lost his shit, basically. Yeah, he's kind of made up snapped. Patrick Bateman and believes that Patrick Bateman is real and he is Patrick Bateman. It's, yeah. There's, there's so many theories. There is a lot. It, it yeah. is a lot. But Harold's basically like, like nothing's happening. He thinks right. it was a joke. Yeah, he time. thinks it was yeah. really funny. He was like, oh, Patrick, yeah, it was hilarious. And he sits back down and he just sort of can't believe... That he's not, that he's not police everywhere. Yeah. He's been taken in. Like, he's, he's gone fully, fully insane. And that's pretty much the end of the film. It's very much a different... It's a cult it, classic. I'm it's glad a, I've seen it. It's, it's more, it's more ho- horrifying than horror, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it? I'm glad I've watched it. Yeah. I don't think I'll watch it again. I watch it now and again. Well, because it because like I said, it's not a horror film you put on to get scared. It's a different type of film. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't watch it regularly, but I do always go and visit it back after. Normally it's I'll see a clip on TikTok that uses it from the film and I'll but oh, yeah. I haven't seen that in a while or I don't know, Dead Meat does a video on it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll I'll give it another watch. Yeah, it was but it's, it's, it was I, I really enjoy it, it's a good film. Yeah. And now now do you understand why I really want that rug, that business card. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, I get it, it now. Really good. Hundred and ten quid though. Yeah, that is a lot of money. Yeah. Right, so here's my behind the scenes and budget and shit like that. So budget, first of all. Oh, I want to go 20 million. 8 million. Oh, bloody hell. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, 8 million. Uh, box office. Uh, fifty-four million. Thirty-four point three million. Oh, you way out this yeah, week. Yeah, quite quite a ways off. But yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. I want to say. I can't remember what it would have taken the budget to, but like it was by a good like ten million. Yeah. It had to push the budget to that he wanted, and so he was like, "No, I'm not doing it." When it happened, so. Bale based Patrick Bateman on an interview he saw with Tom Cruise. Where, uh, where he was appearing on a talk show and it was like he was friendly but there was nothing behind the eyes there and really? so he based a lot of his character on Tom Cruise's performance nice uh, Christian Bale spoke with an American accent during the shooting and offset at all times which surprised everyone when at the rap party he started speaking in his Welsh accent because nobody thought yeah, he was I American bet, I bet that was funny um, scenes from the book had to be toned down the book was much more graphic in murder and torture scenes I wonder if they'll do a remake do of you it. Wanna, do you want to know the worst one I read? Go on, then. So, he he obviously brought a woman home, slept with her. He'd already, like, beaten her up pretty bloody. But then, like, weeks before, there were rats in his apartment and he starved them in cages. And then he put a tunnel between the rat and the woman's vagina. Oh, my God. And put a block of brie up a vagina and the rat ate her internally. Jesus. To the point where she died. Yeah, I nearly I wonder off. if there'll be a remake where, because obviously you can, get, you can get away with more nowadays with gore and stuff yeah, like that. So it I was wonder, fucking I wonder if they'll ever make a remake and include more of the book. Yeah, it was bad. Bloody hell. Um, Bateman is a play on Norman Bates from the original film Psycho. Yeah, I knew that. Whitney Houston refused to allow any of her songs to be used in the film. This is what I mean. People were scared of this yeah. film. People were scared of what it, that, that, like the man it was portraying. And although very, very wealthy, we never actually see Patrick Bateman or his friends do any work. Typical. Typical. Typical rich people. I mean, there were loads more, but I just picked the ones that I thought yeah. were... Thought were pretty good. So. Right, well, good film. Is it your? It's your would you rather? I believe it's my would you rather. Yeah, I wrote this. I actually, I want to say I spent thought about this all week, but I didn't. I don't know where I got it from. Oh no, I got it. Well, I didn't get it from another podcast, but they were listening. They were talking. They were discussing the idea when they were reviewing a film. It's from the Horror Virgin, and I think they were reviewing Pray for the Devil, right, or something like that. And then this conversation topic came up. Right, you can think about it as well. It's not a would you rather. Right. Would the world be different if God and the devil existed and we had definitive proof? And if so, how? Yeah, of course it would, massively. Like, if 
if the Bible and and religion turned out to be true, then I, like for one, I've got to switch up my life big time because. It, of course it would, but I don't. When you say how, I don't know because the... not that. No, be careful. Not that the Bible was true or anything like that, but God and the devil right. were true. So we don't know what heaven looks like. We don't know what it hell op- looks like. It opens like. up. Uh, 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 I think. I think I'd, it'd be bad for the world because because you could argue well now people be a lot more religious and a lot more kind. However, the the this. There'd be a, a big rise in Satanists for sure, um, because it, it if they turned out to be true, that all all of the all of the categories are irrelevant other than good or evil. You're either good and you're you're a man of God, or you're evil and you're a, a man of the devil. Um, I don't know. It's a good question of how it would affect the world. It it, it really. Especially thrown in not the Bible necessarily, but just that the, we have seen that the God that God is these real. These two figures, yeah, these two polar yeah, figures. Yeah, I don't know. I th- it, it, it could it result in wars? You could argue. Could could wars be the result of it? Because it, there are a lot of Satanists out there now that back that being a Satanist doesn't mean you're evil. It's just, it's just yeah, it's just it's it's a more centered way of, and focused way of living. Yeah, that that's, that's like you are only wronged if somebody wrongs you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not it's not necessarily like when you hear the, like the, the Satan, you instantly think pure evil. When would that necessarily be the case? Would it turn into the people who like? Would it just more emphasize the fact that there'll be fantasists out there who believe in heaven and that, you, that, that there's an afterlife provided with, with Everything you could ever dream of if you're a good living or would the Satan it just be No, they exist, but the world's still the world, bad things still happen. It it it's, um, yeah. it's it's every man for himself kind of thing. I mean, according to Milton in his poem Paradise Lost, the I mean, I say poem as if it's like three lines, it's about eight hundred pages long. But in Paradise Lost, the only fault that the devil made, Lucifer, as you will, he was one of God's angels. He didn't like yeah. how God was running things and thought he could do better. So he tried to overthrow God. That was the evil yeah. that Satan committed. It's an interesting one. It, I don't know. I think it would definitely change the world, but I don't know how, and I don't know if it would be for better or for worse. Do you not think it's mad how if we had definitive proof that God and the devil existed, there'd be no such thing as faith? Yeah, I suppose so. I would... Because you've got to have faith, it's got to be you don't know whether it exists. Yeah. But if you've got, if you but, if but you, you know you, that you've got God in the devil, you'd, you'd have faith in heaven, wouldn't you? Like you couldn't have faith in God anymore. But what you're saying is, we know there's a devil and there's mm. a God, but we don't know if there's an afterlife. We don't know how they operate, what they do. Yeah, this is true. So you'd still have faith in that sense. Yeah. So I don't know how it would affect the world, but I do think it would change drastically. Mm. So what's your film for the next review? My film for the next review is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that... No, 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 no. I'm on about a different one. Okay. It's really good. Good. Scary? Yeah. Good. It's... it's we haven't seen a scary, scary in a Yeah, while, I, I think. think I think this is arguably one of the most scary demonic films you, you can get. Nice. I look forward to it. Then. Yeah, I won't be watching it at night. So we've got that. That'll be... In two weeks. Two weeks, and then and next week. I've decided to do a mini episode on, because I'll leave the agree to disagree to you, and then you, because oh, okay. that's yours. And I will do the most extreme haunts in, and like haunted attractions in the uh, in the world. Nice. So things like McKamey Manor and... Hell House. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Abaddon. But uh, I'm going to do like go into the psychology of why people feel the need to do it and like different things yeah and... that sounds like a good one I look forward yeah. to it so tune in for that next week and then week after will be the exorcism of Emily Rose Emily Rose okay thanks for listening thank you bye